Welcome to Breaking Ground. I'm your host, Devin Kolka. On this show, we meet with industry leaders in the construction, real estate, and design industries. Today's guest is Lee Brodsky, CEO of BEB Capital. They are investing in real estate and businesses all up and down the East Coast and are continuing to reach other markets. I hope you enjoy the show. So uh, I'm here with Lee Brodsky, CEO of BEB Capital. Appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. Um, Lee's company are one of the biggest real estate investors around. I mean, you guys are doing um, projects up and down the entire East Coast. I'm seeing the name everywhere. Um, what's the secret sauce, man? Listen, we have a good foundation. Um, I, I, was, I was lucky. I got, I got handed something very special. My father came from nothing, and he really built a business to a place where I could take the foundation really build up on it. Um, I'm taking an entrepreneurial platform and making it institutional, and it's been it's really exciting. Your father is is, is a legend. Um, I know my father and him did a lot of business back in the day. We're both second generation. Uh, so, but you're kind of you're putting your own spin on it now. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting. You know, I'm a big believer. You got to surround yourself with the right people. Right? He he's a legend, and he was able to kind of strap it to his back and run as fast as he possibly could. I'm more of the surround myself with, you know, not be the smartest guy in the room, surround myself with the right people and to get us where we need to go. I think, I think I'm on the same mindset as you. I don't know if it's just me and you or if it's a younger generation thing. Uh, You know, the thing is my father didn't have a choice, right? He couldn't pay anybody else. He didn't have any money, right? So he had to do it all on his own. Um, I'm lucky enough that I have a foundation where I can build with people and, 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 to take care of the folks that help me and, and help us build. Your people is everything. Your people are the ones who build the business. 100%. So what are you working on these days? So we have three different buckets that we really focus on. So the first one's more of the family office entrepreneurial stuff that we've built. I call it the track record incubator, right? The okay. stuff that I couldn't have institutions come in and, and invest with us on, but stuff that we know is our good transactions and know we can build on. Um, then we have an institutional lane that's mostly industrial up and down the East Coast, really focusing on doing best-in-class industrial um, core plus and value add investing um, where the large investment firms want to come. We have a good track record, so they're going to want to come partner with us and have us be an operator in certain markets. So that's really we're on the precipice right now of really blowing that out. And then we started a bridge lending platform in March of this year. We were always going to launch it in March. It just happened to be during a debt crisis, which was nice. Yes. And we've been rocking and rolling. It's, it's been uh it's been really great, and it's a great balance to the portfolio long term. That's great. So, so touching on the bridge lending, um, for anybody who doesn't know what bridge lending is, can you give me a quick rundown on that? Sure. So it's these are two to three year terms. People that can't get traditional bank loans, not because the asset isn't good, but maybe they have personal credit issues or whatever it might be. We're really focused on the asset. We're real estate guys. So the fact that you may have a judgment against you and you can't get credit from a traditional bank doesn't really affect us because we're looking at the underlying assets. So it's all two to three year deals. The, the returns and interest rates happen to be higher, which is what makes it attractive for us. Um, but it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business plan that we have to agree with and has to be an asset that if things go wrong, we don't want to take back the asset, but if we have to take back the asset, we know how to operate it. So the asset is really what's driving the underwriting process? 100%. Okay, 100%. cool. So uh, industrial, talked about uh, industrial. We all know last mile distribution, 
Uh, it's taking over the world. Amazon has, is here and doesn't show any signs of slowing down. We see competitors that are trying to catch up and do same-day delivery, next-day delivery. Uh, do you think there's ever going to be a bubble that bursts in this industrial play? I mean, it has to, right? Eventually, it has to. But I think that for us over the next three to five years, which is my goal, is to really ride this wave and, and build a portfolio big enough to help us recapitalize and exit or, or just hold long-term. That makes a whole lot of sense. I think with industrial, the, fun, the phenomenon and the fundamentals that I've learned over the last two years, because I'm was i a reformed office broker. Okay. I worked at Newmark in the city for 13 years. Okay. So I was mostly an office guy. But what I've learned about industrial is the vacancy rate for industrial in the United States is about 3%. If you approved and built every single project that was in the pipe today, you'd be at 4%. And a typical market that functions well is 8%. Wow. So you have a lot of legs. And that doesn't include the, the assets that are industrial but only 15 feet high. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and it has a ton of deferred maintenance. It doesn't include all the demand for cold storage, which is coming down the pike. Which there's a phenomenon that they got to figure out in a little bit of a conundrum. Is it takes two years to build. Everyone needs it today. And you can't build it on spec because it's too expensive. Yeah. So, you know, the person who wins is going to be the one to figure out how to, how to either bridge the time gap or lower the cost gap. I think uh, the time gap is, is definitely a significant issue that people talk about on Long Island because the approval process is so long. How do you navigate the approval process? You have to have the right advisors. Okay. You, you can't do it by yourself. For a long time, we tried to do it by ourselves. And it, no matter how influential you are in the community, there are people who do this for a living and they're professionals and they have good relationships and they understand the hot buttons and the things that are important to the local municipalities. And so if you have the right team in place, I think you'll get yourself in the best place to be successful to think that you don't need to pay those consultants to help you get through the process i think you're going to end up finding that you were penny wise pound foolish it always comes back to surrounding yourself with the best people 100 percent. I, I you know we've grown a lot over the last two years um, and it's all by bringing the people in that know better than i do how to get to where i want to go uh, and it, it's been it's re totally rewarding but it's scary right you're you're, you're definitely we're, we're growing the people before I grow the revenue side of the business, <laughs> right? So I'm preparing myself and putting my money where my mouth is to get us to a place where I, where I want to go. So it's just, it, it, you know. I love that about you, the, the humbleness to say, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. If I'm, in, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. That's 100%. I do not want to be the smartest guy in the room. I, uh, if I am in the smartest guy in the room, I am in the wrong room and I'm in the wrong place or I'm surrounding myself with the wrong people. Yep, yep. So... Sticking on industrial, are you guys focused on Long Island, right? Are you focusing in other markets? Where are you really looking? It's a great, great question. So we are focusing where our existing assets are. Most of them are on Long Island. I think when it comes to the institutions, what's going to be exciting for them is, is for us to be on Long Island, at least at the beginning, because they know we have roots here. We know the majority of portfolios here. We, they know we have relationships here. Right? Between me and my father, we've really you know, built a network here that is, that is something that we can call on and, and utilize to help us be successful. And so that's, I think, the competitive advantage and why an institution would want to utilize us as an operator is those relationships. Now, we will be able to expand, and we have expanded that to other markets, but the strength, you know, the, the real power is here in terms of how we can utilize our relationships to get a better outcome. Proof of concept, you guys have that, and then I guess that's what really strength, strengthens the relationship. But for somebody who might not have that relationship with the institutional lenders right now how do you think they break that threshold so it's interesting so when it comes to institutional equity we've we're working right now and we're learning also with some advisors and we're on the precipice of hiring folks to help us go raise that equity 
Um, but they help you build the story, right? You have to build the story that you're a solid operator, you've done it many times, you have a track record that you can show. Um, a lot of them want you to potentially take one of those assets and put it into the partnership first, right? They, they, you know, there is a little bit of the chicken or the egg conundrum that you face. Mm -hmm. um, but with all those folks, you have to show them solid track record, you have to show them the right people, and then you have to lay out a plan for them. Now, we all know that the, what your plan isn't necessarily what the outcome is, but you have to have a solid plan in place that's bankable. Um, and that's really what we're focusing on doing every day. I mean, I'm in the throes of it. I'm gonna leave here, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go look at a deck that tells you exactly what we're talking about. Okay, okay. I'd love to, I'd love to check out your decks and how you tell the story. It's really important, the story is everything. And, and, and you guys have the history um, and the vision forward to make shit happen, so I, I love it. Um, shifting from industrial, multifamily apartments the city is getting decimated right now um we know that it's a it's a sad sight can they come back and what's it going to take listen I, you know as much as we all are watching is going to be what we're watching is a historical event in in new york especially because of the, the impact on new york city but you can't bet against new york city you can never bet against I New agree. York City. You, you have to have staying power. We, your five-year plan may have become your 15-year plan, but you can't bet against New it's York City. It's the greatest city. city in the world. You cannot bet against New York City. Anyone who's bet against New York City has lost. Yep. Um, I think that you're going to see people making... These are, these, this next 24 to 36 months, you're going to see people make generational wealth. Because if they have the liquidity today to execute against a business plan in hotel, multifamily, office in a world where everyone's saying, oh, I'm not sure if it's gonna exist, it will exist. Mm -hmm. It's New York City. It people, is. Tourists are gonna to wanna to come and people are gonna to wanna to work there. Absolutely. Maybe not in 2022, 23, or 24, but by 2030, those people will be making money hand over fist. And so I, I think that you have a chance now, people have a chance who have dry power, have a chance now to really make the influence and make the impact, because they'll be buying stuff at 50 cents on the dollar and it's come, It's gonna come back. It's. it's you can't bet against New York City. And, the, and for the people that, you know, don't have the patience or the, the liquidity or longevity to stay in it five, ten years waiting for the, the city to turn around, because it will turn around 100%. Um, where are you seeing growth? What other markets are you looking at? So the, the garden apartments in the southwest, southeast seems to have been getting a lot of attention. In 2019, when the rent regulations were passed, um, a lot of multifamily developers and multifamily owners in Manhattan decide to go to other markets into that garden style apartment. It continues to yield really great returns. Um, you're seeing people high single digits, low double digit returns every year in those markets. Uh, but I don't necessarily think, and there are some, there is some cap, some capital appreciation, but not what you'll see if you invest in New York in the next three years and 20 years from now, <laughs> what you're going to look at. But it's a great way to you know, make money on your money and, yeah. and it, it's a good way for them to replicate the business plans that they had up here. Uh, you know, in 2019, when the rent regulations passed, quarter over quarter from the second to the third quarter, which is where the, the regulations started, uh, you saw a 75% de decrease in uh, volume, transaction, wow. transaction volume. That's wild. Okay. So that's 75% of the business plans were to renovate units, increase value, increase rents, and then flip. So that business plan works in the Southeast, in Atlanta and Houston uh, and Tampa and you know, those markets. And so that's what folks are taking that business plan. It's replic replicable uh, and they're doing it down there and they're making a lot of money. 
how do you enter a new market when you don't know the zoning attorneys, the architects, the engineers, the approval process? So, so that's always been my hurdle for us, how we were going to enter those markets and why we really haven't. We've found good operators to partner with. Okay. Good local operators. Uh, Boots um, on the ground, partners yeah. everywhere. We had a project in Miami that I, when I was cutting my teeth in our family business, I was still at Newmark, but we were, it was a project that I was handling. I was spending some time in Newmark and some time handling it. And we just got beaten up because we weren't local. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the project was too, was the, a huge project for our portfolio, but too small for us to hire like a full-time mm-hmm. staff. Um, and so the choice was to either sell it or grow in Miami. We chose to sell it because the timing was right, and we did very well. Uh, to give credit to my father, he built it during the 0809 crisis. Okay. And he, I mean, it's just amazing stories of having good lender relationships for a really long time mm-hmm. um, and having good lenders. But, uh, you know, I realized at that moment that you really need to be able to see your assets every single day yeah, uh, or have someone that you trust that can go see them. Because uh, as I said, nobody but the owner gets bothered by the gum on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. It's, it's just a different mentality. It's, it's, it's details. The devil's in the details. 100%. And, and you know, in, in those markets, you want to set yourself apart from everybody else. You can't just go there and be the same old because people aren't going to embrace you. You're the, the New Yorker who's coming into town, who's wants X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I hear you on that. So... I guess one of my biggest hurdles that I'm looking at too is uh, entering these markets as a construction manager and or developer um, and having the processes in place. But one thing that we are focused on and leveraging is the use of technology. I think in a world where you know you can have a tv on the wall and they can be in london and we're sitting here in new york it makes things a little bit easier to enter other markets what are you guys doing technologically and and um are you guys utilizing that stuff right now so we we invested in a prop tech fund okay um, called metaprop and the the main purpose was and kind of how they sold me on, on investing with them is that we can utilize and litmus test their technology. So I can come call them and say, hey, as an investor, these are the issues I'm having. Who should I be talking to? And they're introducing me to the entrepreneurs that are solving for those issues. Historically, my father built his own technology for his healthcare businesses, and that's what you know, was his differentiator and really what separated him from the world mm-hmm. um, from an entrepreneurial perspective. It's no different than my philosophy of trying the best in the room, right? These guys are looking at deals every single day. They're probably looking at thousands of transactions and opportunities and picking a certain amount to invest in. And so just as simple as like trying to build a CRM for our acquisitions guys, we called them, we had five, five suggestions. We interviewed them, we're down to two. These are all, either they invested them or not, but they know the technology. That's fucking cool too like it, it okay you're gonna make money on it but that's really Listen, cool I, we didn't put a, a boatload of money in but it, it was is exactly what we needed it, it created an arm for us a technological arm that that allowed us to be thoughtful and especially as i'm trying to differentiate myself from other operators on the industrial side I'm going to call them and say, hey, listen, I need, give me, give me all the industrial technologies that you guys are looking at and let us talk about what we can use because it's a differentiator. Absolutely. So tell them the story, man. We're, we, this studio we're in, as I said, was our file camera room. We went completely digital. We use technology for everything. And I think every week somebody in the office is on some sort of demo checking out a new piece of technology that we may or may not implement. 
It's so fucking important. I I love it. Um, I am on this like tear to get rid of all our file cabinets. You know, everyone's like, no, 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 we need the tax returns longer. We need the leases, uh, hard copy. I'm like, see ya, Shredder, here it comes. Yeah, I I, I don't want to look at a single file cabinet. It's like, you know, we lucked out because our office space is still what was built in 1992 when my father (laughs) uh, constructed the second floor in the building. And I used to say, oh, no, we need more open space. These are, cubicles are too high. Well, now, with, <laughs> given the pandemic, we, <laughs> we need the six by six cubes yeah, and the yeah. high walls. So I'm glad nobody, you know, I'm glad I wasn't, to, wasn't able to push that agenda forward as early as I would have liked. Um, but, you know, the cabinets out there, the file cabinets have to go. I mean, I it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture killer. I hear you. Um, so you guys invest in businesses, you invest in real estate. Are you looking for the same returns on your money in, in business and in real estate? Or can you dig into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. So I think that the biggest differentiator with, from where our company was to where we are today is I'm really trying to find a thoughtful balance. Um, the reality is is that we historically we've bought assets, done some value add, um, and then if the right price came along, we sold them. I think for us in the next generation, I would like the business plan to dictate when we exit. And so the lending platform balance provides me with current cash in the eight to 10% range. And then I have the capital appreciation assets that we're building and buying that hopefully will give us the pops when we have some sort of liquidity event. Mm -hmm. And that balance, I mean, the lending platform is amazing because I'm learning from other sponsors. Um, I'm helping sponsors achieve their goals. I'm learning other markets, all while making a a great return. Uh, I'm also lowering the capital stack so I'm in a, a less risky position. The, the balance of that and the equity side is, it, is how you build long-term real estate businesses. Um, my father diversified by being in healthcare and technology and some media and things like that. Uh, a whole bunch of businesses. I mean, the guy's a chronic deal junkie and entrepreneur. Um, I would more diversify within the real estate space. Okay. So creating longevity for our business in the real estate side. Setting it up for kids. Yeah. Listen, I have four children. Good for you. Um, three boys and a girl. Uh, Family's everything. Oh, listen, I, I'm not doing it for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I am, but I, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to build longevity for them so they can have the choices that I made. That's awesome. You know, like that I had. I, you know, I got lucky. I got to be whatever I wanted to be. Yeah. Right? Uh, I want them to have that choice. If they want to do something that isn't as lucrative as as you know, as I wanted to do, or my father did, right? They have the choice to do that. Just do it. Do it well do and it well, bust right. your ass. Yeah, and enjoy it. Like, wake up and enjoy what you do every day. Absolutely. I mean, it's exhausting. You know, I'm, I'm at work more than I'm at home. You, you have enjoy, to love you, it. You have to enjoy what you're doing. If you don't I lo- love I lo- it. I love the player coach piece. I really have enjoyed. That's why I like having, hiring great people. It's kind of talking through how they, they see success, how they're getting better, how they can be better. Um, that part is what I really love, that leadership piece. I mean... I came with a real estate background, but it's really, it's nice to be able to coach and kind of talk through, like even my top guys um, really were a product of us like kind of talking through their future, what they wanted to see, what they want, what they like. I mean, my, our COO, who's really my kind of my partner on a day-to-day basis, uh, he, he wanted to do the lending platform. That was his idea. And I was like, go for it, let's do it. I think there's more to say when you're giving people those types of opportunities, how to get them to a place where they feel like they can be successful. They're, they feel like they're bigger than something themselves. They feel like they have uh, a real opportunity to build something uh, where other places they won't have that. It's it's theirs and it's, they own it. It's not just money. Yeah. Right. It's, it's opportunity. It's professional growth. The, the world today, people are looking for a more, um, more of a more growth than just dollars and cents. Yep. Yep. 
Well, Lee, I really appreciate you coming in today. You are at the top of the game, and I know that your future is just going to its gonna continue to explode. So I appreciate it, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome.